Welcome to a precious, a rare edition of At The Buzzer. We're, of course, the Colorado-focused podcast by your friendly friends at the Ralphie Report. <clears throat> um, why is it so rare, you may ask? Well, listeners and Sam, in the, the long, extensive history of Colorado podcasts, I believe there's only been one other year where you can have a bowl game podcast. Is that right, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, this is our second bowl game in, what, the past 16 years or so? 15 uh, years? Yeah, third, our third since 2007. So, I mean, hey, if you can find me podcast from 2007, I'd love to see him. But as such... Ralphie uh, Report is, wasn't around back then. No. And obviously we weren't, and we run the ship now. So, come on. There's no way. Um, yeah. 10-year-old me couldn't be on a pod. <laughs> He could. He might have better insight than we do now, frankly. I don't think we've gotten wiser with age. Um, but this is a limited edition podcast. That means it, it's, it's special. Um, and we get to talk about an opponent that also got to make a bowl this year. They, they have a few more wins, but not that much. Um, and we also get to sprinkle in some fun basketball talk from your soon-to-be-ranked Colorado Buffaloes. So all in all, it's a, it's a nice, fun session. I'm Jackie Sam. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy about this. This is gonna be really fun. I we have a week to prepare for a bowl game. Me and you, also the team. The, we have a bunch of injuries on the team. Sam Neuer can get healthy. He sprained his shoulder, basically. I I hope it goes well. Who do you think watches less film? Me on a game week or Stephen Montez on a game week? Well, Stephen Montez might start for Washington this week. The Washington Dwayne football Haskins, team. Like, yeah, he likes to go to some strip clubs. Um, but if Steven Montes starts, I'm immediately going to pick up whichever defense he's facing in fantasy. You know, it's interesting so. uh, that all of that has happened while also in the background, Dan Snyder has tried to settle multiple sexual assault claims. Uh, so hey. they're having a great week over there. Yeah. How did we get sidetracked? What was the segue? Well, the whole thing is it's we were talking about game film, and we're looking up, uh, in case you didn't know, the opponent for the Colorado Buffaloes, which happens to be your story, Texas Longhorns, um, who have a long history of actually playing the Buffs in what could be called the postseason. So, I don't know. It's a fun week. We've, we've talked to some Texas guys, and we've obviously – I've looked a little bit into their team and their year, and uh, I'm just glad to see you in this opportunity, largely because everyone else opted out for the backdrop. <laughs> so, see you excited and ready to play. Yeah, well, in fairness – so the Pac-12 championship game probably should have been canceled. Mm-hmm. They probably should have invited CU. And Oregon won and then leapfrogged into the Fiesta Bowl. So CU would have gone to the Armed Forces Bowl, but then USC dropped out of the Alamo Bowl. So CU is on the Alamo Bowl, if that makes any sense. Yes. So uh, the pecking order for the Pac-12 would have been first is Oregon as the conference champ. Well, first would have been whoever's ranked higher in the CFP. So – Likely that's that is USC, but they opted out because I guess they don't want another embarrassing loss for Clay Hilton. Uh, Oregon gets to leapfrog from fourth, effectively fourth across the conference to first because of their championship win. So they're now in the Fiesta Bowl, um, which is good because I don't know if you saw that, Sam. They the entire team is getting PS5s because it's sponsored by PlayStation. Oh, what? Yeah, isn't that insane? 
Where's my PS5? So, yeah, there's there's a lot of jokes about, like, Notre Dame would rather be in that game and get a PS5 rather than getting shit-rocked by Bama again. But um, I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, play, uh, Oregon takes that. Uh, Colorado is the next best team that also is willing to play in a bowl for the Pac-12. So, they will take the second uh, of the three, I believe, available tie-ins, and that is the Alamo Bowl. So, just like in 2016, Colorado is facing a Big 12 opponent who is second in the conference this year. And, well, I should say second available in the conference. And that happens to be yeah. the Texas Longhorns. Because Iowa State was second place, but they're playing in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. And that's probably good because we'd probably get destroyed by Iowa State. They're really good. We might still get destroyed uh, by <laughs> Texas. But – the third in line would have been Arizona State Sun Devils, the only team that had not opted out and is still bowl eligible, and they also opted out. So, really, there's only two Pac-12 teams playing in a bowl, and CU's one of them. Fantastic. Who would have thought? Uh, me, I guess, at the end of the year. At the beginning of the year, absolutely not well, me. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't mean. You, you know, it's, it's interesting. If, if before the year started, if there were still 12 games on the schedule – you told me CU had four wins. I probably would have accepted that still. I probably would have said, like, yeah, that kind of <laughs> makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, now, if you extrapolate that out, they're probably eight and four, nine and three on that, on that schedule. Yeah, I think this is a typical, like, eight and four team that is probably overachieving a bit. They're eking out those close games, but probably don't really have the high-end talent or the depth to beat really good teams, which is what we've kind of seen this season. Utah being a team that should be better than their record. Well, they ended the year way started way stronger than they started it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, anyways, it's it's a fun thing that, that Colorado is getting recognized for their accomplishments this year in more ways than one. Obviously, the bowl invitation is great. Uh, this year, they also like I mean, they got some nice recognition from the Pac-12 for for some standout performances from the coaching staff and also um, our boy, Jared Broussard. Yeah, yeah. So Carl Durrell got coach of the year handed to him. Jared Broussard won Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. And then Nate Landman and Broussard were named first team all-conference. And then second teamers, yeah, second teamers included Mustafa Johnson, Mm -hmm. Will Sherman, and then kind of a surprise is Jalen Jackson on special teams. Hey, one more surprise. I Wasn't Sam Neuer? Second team. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he was second team. Yeah, which is kind of weird because this is a year where like two teams were returning starters, so it was wide open. Yeah, and so that's your backup safety from 2019 as a second team All Conference QB. Which is wild. I don't even honestly. I don't even know if he deserves it. But I, well, not the end of the year, but he was also. I mean, we've we've heard some rumblings. He's playing through some stuff. Um, so we'll see if that continues in the bowl game. But regardless, it was a great. Uh, thing to have this team recognized, especially after the Pac-12 has spent the past two weeks, I guess, kind of shitting on CU uh, in terms of luck, in terms of what they're doing for the team. It, it was I, There's a lot that CU had to fight through for this conference, I guess, and it was nice to see them get rewarded uh, at least in appearances. So, I don't know. Carl I, Durrell was the easiest choice in the world for Coach of the Year. I will say, though, that Carson Wells not being named first or second team. Oh, my God. So bad. That's ridiculous. 
And yes, there was a lot of great edge defenders, which is how they're calling that. That's what they're calling that uh, position he plays. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Z. Oh God, what's his name in Washington? Zion, ZTM. I'm pulling it up. So actually, not really. So they're actually doing DL and linebacker. So he should have been on there as a linebacker because he was better. What? ZTF is the guy's name. Sorry. Yeah, DTF. Zion Tuo Aloa Batui. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It, yeah, go ahead. Carson Wall should have been over there, on there over, say, Avery Roberts at Oregon State. You could make an argument that Nate Landman should have been Defensive Player of the Year over um, Talanoa Hufanga at USC, but that guy was really good too. So. Yeah, ZTF should have been over Hufanga. I mean, he had great stats and I think played on a better respected defense in, in Washington. Mm-hmm. Carson Wells is a joke leaving that off of the, the either team. He leads the country and tackles per lo- for loss per game, which if as an outside linebacker, that's like your whole job. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Not only that, he's strong against the run. He's great in coverage. He had a tip pick at the first game this year. I, I mean, and he had a huge jump from – his his pretty average play in 2019. And pretty average is good for a CU player uh, in the last 10 years. Him being overall excellent is unheard of. And I, he and Nate Landman was the heart and soul emotional uh, center of that defense. Carson Wells probably had just as much impact play per play, I think, in terms of what he did. He really shut down his side of the field. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's a joke, but whatever. Uh, he wasn't on any radars ahead of the year like a lot of these players were. Um, putting Avery Roberts above him is also kind of dumb, but Oregon State probably deserves some recognition for their above-average year-ish. There are some people grumbling that Jamar Jefferson should have won it over Broussard for Offensive Player of the Year. I don't know about that, but um, both of them are really fun, and I'm glad that the – the conversation centers largely between Oregon State running back and a Colorado running back. Yeah, that's We're fun. committed to Colorado at one point in the same class. I am looking over the stats. Jefferson has a pretty good argument. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Broussard is a 300-yard game, which is huge, but it was against Arizona, who's bad, to say the least, of run defense. Uh, Jefferson's game against Oregon was really something. He was the whole engine that team of that team. I'm fine with either of them winning it. I'm glad Broussard got, got it, though. He deserves it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I could see Jamar Jefferson getting it, but I'm, I'm very happy Broussard got it because, like, again, if you told me at, before the season started that Jarek Broussard would win Pac-12 player, <laughs> right. that would be absolutely wild. You know, um, it's just a good – team this year it's just a fun team to watch and i'm glad we get to watch them one more time in a game that really would mean something for the program i think cu's way more fired up for the sound mobile than texas will be any chance we we catch texas sleeping well so i let's just dive right in um Alabama bowl is on 29th right tuesday the 29th yep uh at, at seven and it's down in texas Beating Texas in Texas would be huge, I think, for, for recruiting. And that's also just a nice little bona fide, another ranked win. I, Texas is right now, I think, a 12-point favorite in, in, in the Vegas books, and I think that's fair. But to your point, 
I also think they really don't. This is like the worst case scenario for an opponent for Texas. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't really know Texas that well, so you could explain it a little bit. Well, like CU is not ranked right now. They fell out of the CFP rankings for having the cardinal sin of not playing due to COVID issues. Um, Not even on their own team COVID issues, just COVID issues with Washington. So they fell out of the CFP rankings. They're unranked. They're not like they're an old Big 12 opponent, but how many of these kids actually care about that on Texas's team? Maybe Sam Ellinger, end of list. Um, you know, they CU is not going to give them – beating CU isn't going to increase their credit off, right? This isn't a game where, you know, if it was an Oregon as it would have been or a USC as it would have been, either one of those two. That gives them more national cachet, right? Texas beating Oregon in a bowl sounds better than Texas beating CU in a bowl, at least in recent history. So they're not going to have – they're not. Uh, the best case scenario is they win this game and people say, oh, they won a game they were supposed to win. And much like CU in the Rocky Mountain Showdown when that happens, it's, it's not a great motivator to say you did what you were supposed to do. Um, so they're going to have to play around that a little bit. Past that, a bunch of captains for them opted out before this game. So that's going to be tough. Yeah, so their best offensive lineman, their best defensive back, Samuel Cosme and Jade and Caden Stearns. Who's great. Uh, Caden Stearns is in my preseason All-American list. I love Caden Stearns. Yeah, and Samuel Cosme might be a first-round pick. So, I mean, obviously it's Texas. And they're also missing three other guys whose names are escaping me. Yeah, you're missing but... a huge guy. They're missing Joseph Asai <laughs> on the edge. That's like yeah. he's oh, one of the better right. Right. defenders in the country. He's really good at getting to the quarterback. Yeah, so it's Texas. They still have a ton of depth. How much of that depth turns into star players has been the question for them, but they still get top 10 recruiting classes almost every season. So we're still going against like some really talented guys. And on the flip side, some of those younger players who are going to be stepping in might – be trying to prove themselves as starters for next season. So we could see, um, like when Alabama and Georgia played the national title, just like young guys kind of stealing the show because they're fighting more for their spots for next year. I, you know, I don't – see, the thing is, I don't know if they're going to do that because the other thing that's hurting them is Texas is very public flirtation with Urban Meyer. Um, they sent a lot of unsolicited text messages – Gave him a few U-ups, um, and he didn't say anything back. So everyone knows that they went after Urban Meyer. Everyone knows they couldn't get Urban Meyer, and that's the only reason Tom Herman is still coaching this bowl game. So, you know, that's also got to hurt their mentality, I think. There are some rumors floated out there that Tom Herman put his name out for the South Carolina job, for the Arizona job, because he knows he's a dead man walking. And I don't think that sounds like a team that's ready to play what should be a focused and fired up. CU squad. All right. So you think we could catch them sleeping because of opt outs, because they're not motivated, and because Tom Herman might be one foot out the door? I think all of those things go towards CU's chances. I don't know if that's going to be enough for CU to win because Texas's talent level is at a different universe than, than CU's current talent level. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's. I think CU is going to get them hard in the first half, and we'll see if – I think Texas will respond, and if they respond enough to win, they should win it going away pretty easily. But if they don't respond, if, if Texas just rolls over, takes a free vacation, then uh, CU absolutely has a chance. 
I think it too depends on how, like, say, Sam Neuer is after his injuries and how, like, Colby Purcell, those types of guys are dealing. Because if Steve's not healthy, I don't really see much of a chance. Well, to your point, um, we don't know. Like I said, Sam Neuer's been dealing with some stuff injury-wise. We saw him get slammed against Utah with Tyler Lytle coming in for a few snaps. Now that Tyler Lytle is transferred out of the program, the on paper at least, the backup is, is true freshman Brendan Lewis, who we have not seen at all this year, despite me and you both saying he was probably going to be the starter before the beginning of the, the season. So, you know, I, I would be interested to see if Brendan Lewis, who also is from Texas, gets some run in this game, knowing that Carl Durrell can build towards next seasons with uh, a bowl game that really doesn't mean too much in terms of, um, you know, Pac-12 standings and everything. Mm-hmm. It's possible that CU does what you're saying Texas might do and that they play a bunch of young guys that haven't gotten a lot of chances yet. Um, you know, we've only seen two opt-outs for sure in Keith Miller, who's a freshman wide receiver, and a Shad Clayton, who's a running back everyone's talked about as a freshman. That's not a great sign because a Shad Clayton definitely would have gotten some run in this game, but um, who knows if he's, he isn't transferring out yet at least. But I think those are the type of guys you might see get some snaps. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have a final prediction? I know we were just on the Texas podcast, and I don't know if we're going to attach that. But what do you think is going to happen? You know, I, it's – so the nice thing is sounds like CU has no extra injuries you have to worry about. There's no um, – there might be a few COVID uh, – losses but nothing crazy yeah um we don't know if Kerry Kutch is going to be cleared after his his positive test yet we we don't know but I think it's largely going to be the same team that we saw against Arizona and Utah um I think CU loses by single digits in this game because Texas will just turn it on for 15 minutes and put that put it put themselves ahead enough um and CU might make some costly mistakes there I don't know I'd love to see a game where Sam Neuer doesn't throw a pick again. It's been, what, yeah. since the since Stanford, I think? Which, you know, is only like three games, but in this season, that's like a lifetime. I think if, if he's a little bit healthier, he'll look a little better, and then we can actually start moving the ball through the air. That'll help and take some pressure off Broussard. Right now, Texas is big enough where they can probably stack the box and feel okay um, in the secondary with one-on-one coverages. That's not going to help see you on offense. And on defense, Texas has a running back named Bajan Robinson, a true freshman, who actually was committed to Arizona um, and then flipped to Texas. He is unbelievable. Probably the best running back CU is going to play this year and the next few years. He is insane. Um, and they have plenty of talent everywhere else on that offense. So if CU can slow them down at all without their heart and soul in Nate Landman, I will be surprised, and that it bodes well. Yeah, the – Texas definitely puts up some points on people. Sam Ellinger is, again, like one of the better quarterbacks in college football. And as you said, they have tons of weapons. I'm I'm worried. I think it'll be a CU loss. I, I'm going to go – I think that they'll still cover, but I'm, I mean, I'm a little worried. Well, the nice thing is, Sam, I would say we don't have to be worried because there is no downside here. The only thing that would be bad, I guess, would be a lingering injury coming out of this game. But getting to this bowl game itself is great, similar to 2016. 
And unlike 2016, there's way less on the line in terms of like legacy. This team is already super successful comparative to what it needs to be. And you think they can play free? I, I well, I think that's exactly what Carl Durrell is hopefully preparing them for. I don't. Okay. I, I cannot imagine that they feel this pressure. Um, maybe the only pressure is you know give these Texas guys a great homecoming, but. No, you're playing against a team that is ranked higher than you, that's supposed to beat you. That's when you get to play with house money. That's when you get to chuck it downfield, get some crazy runs going, blitz on defense, because worst-case scenario, they do what they're supposed to do to you. Best-case scenario, mm-hmm. you surprise everyone, and that's, that's the main goal. That's like a 5-12 NCAA tournament game. <laughs> that's a rosy way of looking at it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me a 5-12. Yeah, we are University of Arkansas Little Rock under Chris Beard. Oh, give me that. Yeah, I knew you'd like that one. That's a fun Thank game. You. <laughs> or um, UC Irvine last year. Yeah. Well, we didn't have a tournament, so. <laughs> oh, shit, I keep forgetting about that. 2019. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. It's going to be a fun game. I it's Aloe Bowl's in a great – it's a pretty prestigious ball game too, which is great. Um, for those of you making the trip to San Antonio, we salute you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm too coward to go. I, well, I was I immediately after when I looked at flights and it was uh, I don't know a few hundred bucks out of my but I'm so like who is paying this much for flights to San Antonio right now? Unless it's yeah, that was my fan. question. You know, you could get like a flight to Portland right now for like twenty six dollars. Right, and why so when is I the flight to San Antonio <laughs> so expensive? It was like four hundred dollars in the airline I was looking at, which I'm sure is too much or not too much for some of our listeners. Get you know, hey. Our, age, our, our income tax bracket, our listener income tax bracket, highest available. Jeff Bezos listens to this podcast. But <laughs> for us, I was, I was like, I know I'm not going to spend 400 bucks plus $100 for a ticket uh, for one day in San Antonio where everything is either shut down or restricted or me being too scared to go into something that isn't. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, I, I, I was going to visit a friend. I, it's not worth it. I don't, I don't want to go. I could have gotten press credentials, but man it's like last when cu played at uh texas in the nit tournament i was looking at getting credentials to go to austin spend a bit of money to go there and then CU got trashed by texas and that sucked but this should be better this should be better and uh i'm i hope it's a fun trip for those that go it's it's always a nice little treat to get to a bowl game at the end of the year and i hope that cu can at least do that next year wherever they go Please, and go to the Vegas Tower of the Bowl. Americas. If you go, go to the Tower of Americas. Vegas Bowl next year, please. Please, God. <laughs> um, all right. I think that I'm done with, with that prediction. I, it's, I just enjoy the game. I don't know. It's, I'm less stressed, which means I'm putting in less effort into the, like, the analysis beforehand because I'm just like, yeah, go have fun. You know? Open yeah, I, I'm done with that. I'm good with the, the free, free-flowing, go-have-some-fun mentality. Take yeah. some risks. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> Uh, for some more Texas insight, look ahead. Look at that. Um, we're going to be posting on our feed a, a podcast from the our, our friends at Burn Orange Nation, who's at the Texas blog, obviously. Great guys. Super fun. Definitely listen to that um, if you're looking for some more insight there. Although we only talk about CU on that podcast, though. So. Well, yeah, but they talk about Texas. <laughs> I, I don't think – I don't. we are the main attraction, but we aren't the whole thing. Um, uh, what, so what do we got for basketball this week? Well, so, thankfully we delayed our recording a little bit until we, until after the end of the knock on slate. Good job, me. Yeah. 
Yeah, so CU, they just uh, they trashed Washington in the past week, and then they just barely got a 10-point win over Grand Canyon. Did we miss anything else? I think CU trashed UNC and Omaha since the last recording, too. Is that right? Yes, and I believe the team is still full strength in terms of COVID. There's been no uh, withholdings. And it looks like Deshaun Schwartz is healthy after he had COVID and he was symptomatic. Yes. And everyone else that was contact tracing, I don't think anyone else even tested positive. So. Nope. Yeah. So easy slit, easy sledding for CU right now. They have only been tested by Tennessee, and that's because Tennessee is a top top ten team, possibly top five team. Yeah. Who if, if you look at Kemp Palm, if you look at Kemp Palm, they are right up there. They're at, at six or seven right now. Yeah, they are – they're seven. Yeah, they're really good. Also, CU, up to 25 in Kempom. Kempom usually hates Tad Boyle teams, mm-hmm. but this one is testing nicely. Well, for reference, they, they were around the 50s uh, at the beginning of the year, which is probably what I was expecting. That I would thought maybe they'd get up to the 40s this year, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, tournament team range. And, and they're obviously solidly in that range right now um, after beating up on some bad – I mean – Let's just let's just get into it. Grand Canyon's better than Washington, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yes, I cannot claim to have watched the game. I was playing Settlers of Catan with my family. Did you win? I did, but on a technicality because my little brother misunderstood the victory points rule, okay. and he didn't play it until I had played it, and then he was like, oh, I had this like three turns view. I would have won. So I won, but we tied. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Yeah, that's... Did you get longest road or largest arm? I did not. My dad built a road that was like 13 long. Okay, that's a little much. Yeah, you don't need to do that much. It was a little much, but it was our second time ever playing it because my friend just got the game as a gift. Anyway, I did not watch the Grand Canyon game, but I believe that they're better than Washington, partly because Washington sucks, and they're probably going to finish like bottom three in the Pac-12. Well, yeah, I watched all four hours um, spanning both games, so (laughs) – um, I could tell you, at least I thought that Grand Canyon was way better than Washington. And even in terms of talent, I have no idea how Washington is so devoid of talent. That game technically counts as a non-con game for CU, but um, we're obviously going to play them again twice, actually, in, in conference. They don't, have, they don't have anybody who can get a bucket. No, there's no Jalen Noel. There's no, I guess, J.D. McDaniels would shoot those shots, but he sucked too, so whatever. He sucked. Um, There's no Isaiah Stewart, obviously. No Isaiah Stewart. It's literally just a seven-foot-four gimmick player who CU was just like, what the fuck do we do here? No, he had his uh, career high because he played like 10 minutes total in his career before that or something dumb. And Mike Hopkins decided to finally unleash the beast. But um, (laughs) We got Boban. So, non-con is dead now. It's done for for CU. They finished it. Um, They finished 6-1. and their one loss, like you said, being on the road to Tennessee by less than 10 points. So that's a win. Mm-hmm. In, re- in reality, it's a pretty good, pretty good performance against a really good team. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, do you have any general thoughts on what you saw from this team heading into conference play? Because this, this next stretch is rough. Yeah, my main thought is that Arizona State's only 4-3 and three right now, which is great. I don't even care. I've seen you guys as long as ASU sucks. So let's – you brought this up. <laughs> if we look at the Pac-12 men's basketball preseason poll, right, 
Yeah, seventh in the Pac-12 for CU. Bullshit. Not not only is that the bullshit. Here's where I get upset. Arizona State was picked second, right? They were picked mm-hmm. to be second in the conference on the back of Remy Martin. Oregon is third, which is normally fine. UCLA first, totally makes sense. Stanford at fourth? Stanford, to me, is head and shoulders above Oregon and Arizona State. Absolutely. I, I said that in my preseason article, too, when that was released. I was like, Stanford should be higher. If they had brought back, um, what's his face, Tyrell Terry, they would have been a top 10 team in the country. And they're not one player away from that. They're, they're really good. They're probably the talented and most talented team in the country. What? Um, I'm sorry, not country. Whoops, conference. Thank you. <laughs> Gonzaga, my guy. Yeah, sorry. I meant conference. Uh, it's in between them and UCLA, in my opinion. Um, Zaire Williams is amazing as a freshman. You know I don't like freshmen, but he's, he's acquitted himself well. Dejon Davis, Oscar De Silva. Anyways, all of us to say, Colorado at seventh is ridiculous, especially when you look at <laughs> the gap between the total points that they got versus the total points that Arizona State got in terms of ranking was 100. There's 100 points. UCLA had 251 points, which is enough for first place. Colorado at 149. ASU at 246. Colorado is not that much worse than Arizona State. In fact, I would say they're better than Arizona State. We're better. We beat them literally three times last year. I would say Colorado can beat almost anyone that I'm looking at right now. Uh, this stretch will prove me right or wrong. Um, well, in the, conference, in the conference, CU can beat anybody. Especially at home, they should beat anybody. Like, there isn't a team. There's not, like, in Arizona with Nick Johnson and Aaron Gordon here. Or even, um, you know, two years after that, not in Arizona with, like, Gabe York and uh, – and, uh, oh, God, who's the – T.J. McConnell. T.J. McConnell. And oh, Caleb Ryan Pazuski. Anderson? Caleb Tarzuski, Ryan yeah. Anderson, that type of deal. They're not even that good yet. So, I mean, it's a semi-down year for the Pac-12 after a huge exodus of talent in the NBA draft. I think Colorado is, is as well positioned as anybody to challenge for the conference title or at least second place. And I don't get why they were, they were so slept on. The cast is the same as it was last year, pretty much. No so Tyler I Bay. That, but that's I think it's two parts. That Tyler Bay was a little overrated. He shouldn't have won Defensive Player of the Year last year. You are year. being proven right. I am being proven right. And CU, it turns out, can replace his scoring ability because his scoring was quite inconsistent. And for as much as he popped off with his interior scoring, apparently if you have a seven footer, who's now fully healthy, you can get a lot of that, those points back, which is nice because no one would say Dallas Walton is better than Tyler Bay, but he also hasn't missed a shot in like three games. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's a hyperbole, but yeah. So, I, at the end of the non-con, basically my thoughts are McKinley Wright is as special as we all say he is. Definitely a top five guard in the country right now. He is exactly what the team needs at all times. Um, but past that, I think the reason they're succeeding is because, like you said, they found contributions from players that maybe were a little more sidelined the past two years with a lot of stuff being put on Kin's back. Dallas Walton can be a nice third or fourth scoring option on the floor at all times. Jariah Horn is a guy who can get his bucket whenever he, he needs to, which is huge. Um, and let's look at, like, you know, 
against Keyshawn Bartholomew. He can move the offense. I'm trying to remember there's a t- point in Grand Canyon in the game against Grand Canyon where McKinley was on the bench in the second half and transition buckets from Deshaun Schwartz and, and Keyshawn basically stretched the lead up a little bit. And I was trying to remember, like, I can't ever remember feeling this comfortable for this long with McKinley right on the bench in, the, in his three years here. Like, it's, it's, it's nice to have that sort of um, security blanket, knowing that there's always someone that can run the offense on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Keyshawn is really fun. He is really trigger happy, which doesn't really look good with his like shooting percentages right now. But I don't really care about that. I am happy with like a spark plug scorer. And if that means that they're gonna have a little inefficient offense, I'm okay because they actually know what they're doing. It's gonna be on the bench units. Bartholomew is gonna take a bunch of shots. Jariah Horn is gonna do great things and Jabari Walker is going to draw some fouls and that can be the whole offense with McKinley right on the bench and we're going to be just fine we're going to survive those minutes so yeah I I mean looking at this most recent game too Evan Batty comes in for 16 points might have gone up to 18 by the end of the game uh and this is against probably the best set of big CU's going to play until USC and mm-hmm. definitely the top five pairings this year. I mean, Grant Canyon had some great bigs and a pretty good guard, which is a really good recipe to beat some teams that uh, you maybe shouldn't beat. But, uh, I mean, like you said, this team can just throw dudes at the problem until the problem goes away. It's probably the deepest offensive team, at least for sure, that Tad has ever had. So, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun group, and this next stretch – Three road games against three top half teams is going to be huge. I'm looking for uh, free throw rates on basketball reference. I can't find it, but oh my god, how can I not find this? Okay, I got you. What do you look? Who's are you looking for? Jabari Walker's. Jabari Walker's free throw rate is 52.8. That is fucking crazy. Do you want to, Evan Batty's is 63.6. Do you want to hear the, the grossest one? Is it that they're shooting 85% from the free throw line? Of the Dallas team? Walden's free throw rate is 87.1. Oh, my God. Yeah, this team, they are drawing so many fouls right now. And I, I guess part of that is, like, other teams are going to have to clean up. Other teams are going to be able to, like, withstand physically without having to foul. But this team... Being able to draw fouls is such a key fail-safe for your offense. If you're just having a horrible shooting night and just nothing's going in, it is so important to just have it, just something in your bag of tricks to just be able to get to the line and just generate points the hard way. Or I, I guess the easy way. And especially if you're a team that's shooting uh, 85%, which is second in the nation right now, even if that slows down, that's so important, and I'm, I'm, that's a really positive development I didn't see happening this year, especially with Jabari Walker. That dude just draws fouls like crazy. You know, um, I'm, I keep alluding to it. So, see his next three games are all on the road. By Kempom, they're all projected to be one point or one possession games. At Arizona, at USC, at UCLA. That's a huge crucible for a team. That's a huge step up in, in competition. And if, if CU can get out of those three games with one win, 
I'll be mm-hmm. ecstatic or happy, I should say. I if think they... I think one win is what we should expect. I think we should get one win Ooh. out of those at least. No, 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 not like expect, but I think that like statistically, these are all 50-50 games or so. Probably the other team is more favored. Yes. But I don't think, for instance, Arizona is very good right now. Like they're not a very complete team. They have a lot of moving pieces that haven't really fit together yet. And USC, we can talk about USC, whether or not they actually played to their talent level. But uh, I think that like stealing a game is very likely. I think if CU comes out of that stretch, and that, that takes us to the new year, if they, if they come out of that stretch with two wins, this team is super – it's special. Because that they're, they're going to be 8-2 and two with the three hardest games of the conference slate in their review mirror. These are all A-caliber, A-tier. They have four – their next four games are A-tier wins, which are like resume-building type deals. Yep, because so the next like, game yeah. after that is Oregon at home. And Oregon is the best – team according to Kempom in the conference so uh, yeah and if we know anything from Oregon playing in Boulder that's a hundred percent win probably <laughs> hey history teaches us um <laughs> I don't know man it's a fun year and this team wins different than most have oil teams like you said I think they win from the free throw line they win with offensive efficiency they're still solid on defense in fact better than last year on defense yeah but, can we talk I, about that team defense I mean Grand Canyon out-rebounded CU by 13 points last night and lost by 10. Or 13 rebounds last night and lost by 10. We should probably also talk about Dallas Walton averaging 2.6 rebounds a game. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he is what he is at this point. He's not Uh, that good at the glass. He's, I think, (laughs) he has a nice turnaround hook. He has a really soft touch, especially from three, which lets him get going a little bit. I think he's a great offensive weapon. I think he's solid at, at being a rim protector i don't think we can expect him to be a tyler bay a even a wesley gordon in terms of attacking the boards he's just he yeah. doesn't attack him like that i think 15 16 minutes per game is probably his sweet spot right now he's at 16.6 um if if cu needs his offense a little bit he's gonna be playing more but if they need someone to step up defensively i can see them going different routes I don't know exactly know what trap that would be. I guess Jariah Horn because he's stepped up defensively, but that would put a lot of pressure on Evan Fatty. Well, okay. So I want to avoid getting in the weeds for a little bit right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to go a little bit over and, and, and just say, like, this, this team is really good offensively overall. They're efficient. And um, that doesn't stop when McKinley Wright leaves the floor. And that is the difference between last year's team and this year's team the most, in my opinion, is that McKinley Wright doesn't have to start everything all the time. Other people can contribute. He barely moved the muscle against Washington until the second half when they kind of needed a bucket. To just... So, yeah, that's really positive. Uh, do you want to guess who's leading the team in blocks? <sighs> Eli Parquet. Yep. Well, see, and that's good. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll save a different, I'll save a different <laughs> podcast. I could talk about him for like 20 minutes. Didn't take a shot against Grant Canyon. was still probably the second most important player on the team. Um, so real quick, like you said, I want to go a little bit, just pull out some Ken Palm stats from the non-conference Ken Palm for people that don't know is super nerdy, like advanced stat stuff, um, that goes through a lot of the different teams. It's a great tool to look at college basketball. I think it's 20 bucks a year. So if, if you have that time or if you have that time and, and money, then I think it's worth it. 
just to get a better landscape view of, of college basketball. Um, some things I want to point out. Colorado is second in the country in free throw percentage as a team, and Jariah Horn has still not missed a free throw. Uh, and I believe he's 12 for 12. Keisha Bartholomew also has not missed a free throw. He's six for six. Fantastic. Uh, the, Thank the, you. The lowest starting percentage is Evan Batty at 78%. He's 22 or 28. So this team is locked in for the free throw line. Um, it's still a tab oil team in terms of defensive hallmarks. They do not go for steals. They're 220th in the country in steal percentage, but they are 36 in the country and allowed two point field goal percentage. And they are also 21st in the country in non steal turnover percentage. So what that tells you is they draw a lot of fouls. They cause a lot of shot clock violations and they don't allow easy twos. That's a really good defensive recipe. Well, also what we saw last year was that their defensive rotations are so tight that they don't allow really any space for shot creation or for passing lanes. Yeah. And so it means that like there's, it puts a lot of pressure on the offenses to kind of just create something when there really isn't anything. And that's going to cause turnovers, like bad passes and missed shots. Yeah. Another way to look at some of those numbers to get a, a picture. Uh, they are 326th. So I think third to last in the country in average possession length on defense which means they have oh. long possessions on defense. Um, so I think that's a good thing in, in this instance. So they, that's absolutely a good thing. Yeah. They don't, they're not trying to create live ball turnovers. That's not really Tad Boyle basketball. No. They're helping, they're hedging not to create turnovers, but to really force someone into a mistake. This team, yeah, it, they basically are playing really solid team defense, like you pointed out, Sam. They rotate really well. Someone who really improved on that is Maddox Daniels this year. He's, he's not the black hole he once was on defense, so he has some room yeah. to improve. We've criticized him, but he's actually been really good the past couple weeks. And the last thing I wanted to point out, if, Sam, if you had to guess, I don't know if you have Ken Palm up or not. If you had to guess. I do. Okay, who's the player with the most usage in terms of per, per possession? Who's Walker. Yeah, Jabari Walker. <laughs> Insanity. Part of that is because he can't stay on the floor because of fouls. But, man, that guy just gravit- – I mean, he, he needs the ball every time he's out. I don't think I've seen a bad thing yet when he attacks the rim. Yeah, yeah. He is drawing fouls and attacking the rim every time he gets the ball. <laughs> I'm really happy with him. He has the highest rebounding rate on the team. He needs to chill out with the fouls. But yeah. if, say – Dallas Walton's minutes are going to be stagnating around 15. Jabari Walker is key for their depth. Absolutely key. Yeah. Your, your four-man rotation is going to be Walker, Horn, Barthel, or Walton, and um, Batty. Batty. And you probably want Batty to play the most of those, of those four, and then you want Horn and Walker, second or third, switching off every night, depending on the matchup. I mm-hmm. think, at least. I think so, too. Well, I mean, also, like, Dallas Walton, if you need him to go against the seven-footer, he's probably better off to play more. Well, you say that, and it's true, but he's also so slight that I – Batty did a great job against the Grand Canyon bigs, and I, you have a lot of different ways to mix and match. Think yeah, well, you're nice... also forgetting – you're forgetting that Dallas Walton outplayed DeAndre Ayton for a half. <laughs> How could I ever forget? Um, yeah, I, it's a nice weird mix of, of qualities – in terms of defensive potential. I think Horn is solid in terms of positioning. I think Jabari Walker is the most athletic of the group. Evan Batty is super wide and solid. Uh, get, definitely takes the most charges on the team. 
And I think that Dallas Walton obviously has the height and rim protection the others lack. So you can kind of mix and match to get the two traits you need the most, uh, whatever game you're playing. I can't believe Ben Mills out to Joel Embiid. I can. That dude it did not care funnier. about the college level at all. Joel Embiid? It, I know. It just gets funnier every day. The better Joel Embiid gets, the funnier it gets. <laughs> well, um, we don't want to go on too long about it, but this team is worth watching. The Sabatino-Chen revenge game is next week. or Yeah, next week Ooh. at Arizona. We got to get Sabatino back on. Got to get him back on for that. I'm going to message him right now. Do it. And uh, they, they deserve it all. That's the day before the Alamo Bowl. So you're going to have a nice little buff and buff back-to-back. Yeah. All right. You got well, anything else? I don't think so, man. This team is – I just – I could talk about them for a while. They're so fun to watch. Yeah, I am so happy with this team. I'm happy it's bowl season too, but obviously I, I am here to talk about basketball. I am so happy that they're good. Yeah, not only good, but potentially better than last year. So, um, Which is wild, yeah. We'll see how they, that happens. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Boss! Boss! Boss!